Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. Great having you with us. Pleasure to welcome Daron Joffe, who's ENS Executive and Co-Head of the Corporate and Commercial Department, and Julius Oysthuizen, who's been on the show before, and he's also a joint head of the Corporate and Commercial Department. Gentlemen, great having you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We wanted to delve... Yes, thanks. Great seeing you again, Julius. Uh, We wanted to delve into the um, M&A space at the moment. 2023, we're drawing to a close. Delistings, big companies looking for other opportunities offshore. It's been a very volatile, um, up and down journey and ride uh, for the markets this year, as we know. Interest rates and, and numerous factors, geopolitical factors coming through the RAND, up and down. A very difficult environment right now, but we want to delve into M&A. It also hasn't been that pretty on the M&A side, but yet there are pockets of opportunity going into the new year. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's a, that, that would be a, a, a fair assessment. Uh, as you've rightly pointed out, the, the M&A in South Africa has followed the, the global trend, which, which is down. But we have seen in, in certain areas, mainly in the private equity space, where there are niche players trying to find uh, value investments and taking advantage of the, of the opportunities. Uh, cash is, isn't as easy to find as it was historically uh, before, but, but funds with access to resources, money and good contacts are still able to, to find deals. And we certainly seen like a number of deals closing in, in that, in that space. Yeah, I think there are a number of dynamics, uh, Evan, and perhaps uh, one of the more interesting analogies is we were chatting to uh, an investment bank group recently, and they were saying that M&A activity in particular and the assessment of deals has gone back to how it used to be is the wording that they used. And, and I think what, what they were meaning by that is that in the last couple of years, uh, there was a real rush for assets uh, in a low interest rate environment. Uh, people were prepared to pay premiums um, for strategic additions to their portfolio. Then when the, uh, the interest rate cycle turned upwards, it actually meant from a pure deal evaluation perspective, you needed to think much more carefully because uh, a a responsible board would say, well, look, I can get X percent um, simply by holding on to my cash. So therefore, for a deal to make sense, it needs to uh, it needs to meet higher hurdles uh, than it has in the past. Uh, You know, that's just pure sort of corporate finance sense. So I think uh, what they were saying by that is that people are scrutinizing transactions much more carefully. What we've also seen is that uh, in the transaction process, where in the past, if you were really enthusiastic about a deal, you would find a workaround. Uh, Now, they tend to be more red flags. And people would say, "If, if I see real due diligence issues, I'm actually not prepared to take the risk on. You know, so I think that means that it's not a question of there not being deals or opportunities out there. Uh, it's a question of saying people are being much more careful and, and that as a result of that, you see a lot of transactions which uh, get going, but they're not moving through to close, particularly in, in the bigger M&A space. 
Um, yeah. And then I would agree, agree 100% with Deron. The other dynamic is that you have lots of uh, PE funds that are sitting on capital, which they need to deploy. Um, and they, they obviously need to provide a return uh, to their investors to, to justify their management fees. So that means that they will be doing deals. Um, they will be investing and exiting. So you'll continue to see that type of activity. But unfortunately, it tends to be under the radar from the uh, the large, sexy sort of listed transactions, uh, you know, that gets everybody excited, basically. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of the research that, that you put together, and I, I see the wording is, that there was this abundance of cash available for transactions, which is interesting, which you both flagged, um, but that various factors created a perfect storm of uncertainty and that there were also, you know, nobody knows scenarios, right? Um, are, are we starting to kind of get through that now? Are people just being able to navigate that as we head into 2024? Uh, I would say I think South Africans are pretty robust at navigating uh, unusual yeah. cycles. So we're pretty good at that. I'd say for the first time in, 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 in my working history, the elections has become a, a sort of talking point that, that it's not playing a massive role, but it is starting to play a more limited role. So, so I think that that is creating a, a different dynamic. Uh, I think what I heard next year, there are 60 countries who are having their votes for, for national leadership. So I think the world next year is going to be, you know, a potentially a very volatile place, which, which I think will have an impact on the, on, you know, on, on global M&A. And just to give you an example, we were at a conference recently in, in Paris and everyone there, you know, the talk through the year was to say globally they expected to pick up at quarter one next year. And now some people were saying that they, 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 you know, they think it's maybe quarter two. So it mm. looks like it's, it looks like it's slipping. So, so I, I think it'll still be a tough trading conditions for the next uh, six months. And then also just to give you an example of, of like what Jules was saying, which, which happens in markets today, which didn't historically happen is I was involved in a, in a deal and management slightly missed the forecast. And while the due diligence was taken on and things like that, and it basically caused the whole the whole transaction to collapse. You know, wow. it, where you know a year or two ago, if they were keen for the asset, there would probably be an adjustment to the purchase price, or, sure. or or sometimes maybe even have overlooked it. You know, in this case, it just meant the the transaction fell over. You know, yeah. so so that those are the those are the kind of things that that are happening in this environment that you didn't see a couple of years ago. And it's actually interesting, even to that point that Duran raised, uh, to the conference in Paris that he attended was at the end of October. Um, I was in London, uh, in the beginning of October. And at that stage, the debate was, we've now moved beyond Q, uh, Q4 2023. So we're thinking about Q1 2024. And within a month after that, people were already starting to talk about Q2 2024, you know. So I think there is a little bit of uh, people saying, look, we have to keep hope, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Things must yeah. turn around at some stage. <laughs> but perhaps to, to come back to Duran's earlier point, and, and this is quite interesting because I think as South Africans, 
we very often think that the challenges that we are facing are unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly aren't. Because one of the issues uh, that, that has been very much top of mind in South Africa recently is uh, the, the regulators um, becoming more actively involved and, and some would say interventionist in transactions. And what you've seen in South Africa in particular is public interest aspects, uh, which have become much more front of mind uh, when, when it comes to competition analysis. But uh, there are, in fact, very similar provisions um, in the UK, for example, where, where they've been dealing with foreign strategic investment and trying to apply similar principles. Uh, we've seen the same coming through in, um, in transactions on the African continent, you know. So I think where we are good and where our investment community certainly has, uh, I think, an advantage is we are able to, to deal with uncertainty, to deal with regulatory complexity. And, uh, you know, we will still find a way to get deals done, provided that the commercial will is there. Is there also a sense, if you look at it, um, quite a negative backdrop right now, but obviously a lot of cash. But for savvy deal makers, um, fair to say that there are probably a lot of targets out there because of the downturn. A lot of these these uh, potential targets will be undervalued, right? Yeah, 100%. And it's interesting because coming back to to Deron's point around uh, the private equity space, and, and there, obviously, there are some particular industries, and, and you've mentioned tech, which we can come back to earlier, but... What I found interesting as well is that the private equity interest seems to be fairly, uh, I wouldn't say sector agnostic, but it would be open to transactions in, um, in a number of spaces. You know, so we've seen in this year, we've seen funds buying into logistics businesses. We've seen people, uh, doing a transaction in sort of the secondary motor market, you know, which is by no means a, um, you know, a sexy high profile industry. Uh, but it certainly is, if, if you sit back and think about it in a, in a challenging economy, people aren't buying new cars. Um, they're running out of their, their motor plans. So therefore the guys who are providing aftermarket services are actually sitting in a, um, in a very good space right now. So we've actually seen a few transactions where people have, have done acquisitions there. So exactly that, you know, if, if you sit back a little bit and say, well, the way that the economy is going and, and the impact on consumers certainly translates to particular industries that we may not necessarily think of actually being well positioned. Um, and, and therefore there are opportunities in, in those kind of markets. And then you will continue to see the typical thing of a business which has been grown to a certain level, but its own management team can't take it further anymore. Um, and, and then you get these sort of mid-size transactions, you, you know, um, which we would say are below a billion rand in value, but certainly uh, which fit nicely in a fund ticket size um, and also are businesses in, in a stage where a good fund manager who's got experience can actually still add value um, and, and, and put that business on a different footing. So I think you'll continue to see that type of activity. 
Um, and again, if, if you pull that back to the, uh, to the larger M&A space, when you have a, a mature business, um, again, if, if there's not a, a, a real strategic fit um, or, or you are filling a gap in your portfolio, it's quite difficult to, to make significant changes or to, uh, to create a real uptick in value simply by putting a new management team in place, you know. Whereas in the smaller transactions, those opportunities are definitely still there. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I, I like that. I mean, the technology uh, side of it as well is, you know, investment. Uh, you know, there has been investment, there has been interest, but there's quite a high uh, cash burn rate in some of these. Yeah. Um, I mean, is is that a fair uh, assessment of it? Uh, you know, with you know M and A uh, investors looking to broaden a little bit. Look, I'd be interested to hear what. Duran's experience is on that as well, but my sense is that the real shift has been that five or ten years ago, people would have looked at opportunities in the tech space to say, we have to be in the market um, and we have to get a foothold and therefore we will do a transaction, where I think people will still do so now, but they're starting more and more to look at it like a normal transaction that needs to meet uh, valuation requirements. Um, we, we want to see a proven track record. We're not just going to buy into the strength of the CEO and their ideas, yeah. you know. So I think definitely still interest, but, but becoming a more disciplined process. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. I think there's, there's just more discipline in the, and rigor in the system now. That's just across the board. Ah, okay. And that's a good thing. Yeah, it is indeed, yes. No, 100%. I mean, you can just look at some of the headlines of late. Um, it, it, it's critical right now. And, um, you know, just to, to move on to, to areas where there are gaps, right, like big gaps, and one of them would be energy, right? We obviously have public sector, you know, struggling to cope and fill these voids. But are we, are, are we really doing enough in that space from the private sector side, or is this going to be a huge opportunity going forward? No, so, so there I'm actively involved in some, in some opportunities there, and there's a massive amount of, of work that's taking place in, in that space. And I think it's going to be a fantastic growth industry. It's, a, it's, it's certainly opened up, and I think in the next two or three years we're going to see a massive shift in, in that space. So uh, it's a huge growth opportunity, all forms of green energy. I think that I think that sector is going to explode, basically. And, and, the, and, the, and the groundwork has been the groundwork. It took a long time to get the regulatory groundwork in place. But I think people are now are comfortable that it is in place. And, and you are starting to see people to commit serious capital into that area. I think that that was exactly the point that I was going to make. You know, the the regulatory framework and then the political will is is obviously critical. You know, but quite interestingly, Evan and um, you would probably not have have heard that, but I heard an interview yesterday. Uh, I think it was on um, SAFM with the COO of Car Powership, um, and they were talking about you know their container ship sitting outside Richards Bay and um, how much they thought that they could contribute to the South African grid, you know. But they they still need to go through their hurdles in terms of their impact assessments and potential um, 
you know, potential regulatory uh, challenges, but certainly they were very bullish and saying, look, there's a massive opportunity market. And I think that's a, that's a general trend um, that people see that. And, uh, you, you know, it, it's something that people have been saying consistently for years, but, but it's still true. The um, Africa needs infrastructure um, and, and it needs private business to be, to be involved and to be supporting that. And it needs government partnerships. But I do think that that uh, in South Africa we are we are seeing that, and I think that as Deron says, I think it's going to be a massive growth area in the next five ten years. So, if we just in conclusion, if if I can ask both of you just to give me your your views on twenty twenty four, where do you really see the biggest traction happening? Um, obviously, PE ahead of M and A at the moment. I mean, do you see M and A picking up? And and which sectors really stand out for you um, in the year ahead? Well, let me go. Let me have a go first, and then Jules sure. can add. I think I think there'll be a, a lot of a lot of transactions in the in the green energy space. Yeah. I see. I think there'll be a lot of transactions still in fintech in the insurance space, both mm-hmm. both in South Africa and looking uh, across the across the continent. And then generally in uh, I think. You know, maybe there'll be some consolidation in the bigger end in the in the consumer facing businesses, uh, which which may bring some, you know, uh, that, that I'm just guessing, mm. which maybe bring some big transactions in, in that space and, and maybe an interest in one or two offshore players if if our domestic uh, companies continue to struggle. So so I, I think that would be my, my, my best guess for 2024. Great. <laughs> so. so- Evan, it's not often that I agree completely with everything that Deron said. This is one of those occasions. So I'm, uh, I'm on the same page. That's fabulous. No, great chatting to both of you. As always, really appreciate it. We look forward to a, a, certainly a better 2024. 2023 has yes. been tough. Um, and, and thanks for those insights and giving some idea on, on what we can expect. So really great chatting. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks so much.